Next on BYU Sports Nation, the key to validating BYU football independence. Athletic Director Tom Holmel on what the Cougars must learn to do. Men's hoops are a single-digit seed in the latest ESPN Bracketology. Will they finish as such in March? Plus, Taysom Hill's future in New Orleans. From a big, easy perspective, Saints insider Christian Garrick joins us live. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, January 7th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a voiceover specialist for The Bachelor, Jerem Jordan. I've never watched The Bachelor before, yet they keep sending me checks, so this, this is great. That's one of the most unbelievable facts about you, is that you've never seen one episode of The Bachelor. I have no interest in this particular TV show. Yet we hear your voice every week. Coming up! Yeah. The that, most dramatic is, episode of The Bachelor ever. How much, how much does that guy get paid? Couldn't we all do that? A lot. Come on. A lot. Who it's doesn't want to be hard. a voiceover guy that makes not even hard. a tr- six-figure income for staying in your basement and using your own equipment to do voiceovers? And living with your mom. Like, that's the it's life, great, right? right? Yeah. Yes. In fact, Tom Fornelli, CBS Sports Analyst, tweeted out last night, the darkest time of year is when the timeline goes from college football tweets to bachelor tweets. Yeah, there's kind of this dead period, right? Uh, we're about to hit it um, where it's just playoff games on the uh, weekends for the NFL. We're about to lose college football on Monday. Uh, yeah, it's it's sad. Because, listen, regular season NBA and NHL just don't do it for me, right? We need to get into March Madness and then spring training – becomes interesting in the start of the season. Okay, it's getting warmer. We're getting outside. Um, but, yeah, luckily men's volleyball is going and gymnastics with a nice performance last night. And uh, men's hoops is crushing it, spring football. So there are certainly things to uh, entertain us here. Yeah, we need to get into the NCAA tournament when BYU is a factor in the NCAA tournament. It's about time. Yes, I promise very limited discussion from here on out about Peter the Pilot and the Bachelor. Because we've got actual reality to cover, Jerem. For example, Dalton Nixon of BYU Basketball and how he's handling an infusion of NCAA tournament talks surrounding this edition of BYU Basketball. And where are the Cougars in the latest ESPN bracketology? BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo says BYU football is close to becoming what they want to be. Well, what do the Cougars want to be? And Taysom Hill's future in the words of a New Orleans radio host, Plus, are you buying, selling, or holding Eric Mika's potential return to the NBA? I'm definitely buying today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Give me all the bracket banter. A brand new ESPN Bracketology released this morning, courtesy of college basketball insider Joe Lunardi, has BYU as a nine seed facing eight seed Colorado. Lunardi also has St. Mary's as a nine seed and... Not surprisingly, Gonzaga as the number one overall seed. This projected nine-seed matchup of sorts between BYU and St. Mary's tips off this Thursday at 11 Eastern on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. 
Two of the top shooting teams in the entire country. St. Mary's is number one in three-point percentage. How about that? Pro Football Focus ranks BYU's offensive line the 12th best in the nation. Wow, how about that? Highlighting left tackle Brady Christensen as fifth nationally in pass blocking grades among all tackles. Cougars return everyone in the two deep besides Thomas Schoff this fall. I like that. Number 23 BYU Gymnastics defeats number 15 Nebraska in a season opening duel. 195.75 to 195.6. The Cougars won the meet without All-American Shannon Evans in the lineup as she nurses some bumps and bruises. In Evans' absence, junior Abby Miner led the Cougars with a personal best all-around score of 39.325. The Cougars will compete this Saturday at 9 Eastern in the Rio Tinto Best of Utah Gymnastics meet at the Maverick Center in Salt Lake City. Number 5 Utah headlines that competition with the Cougars, Southern Utah, and Utah State. After a couple of road wins against ranked teams, BYU men's volleyball players Gabby Garcia-Fernandez and Davide Gardini are the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week. Fernandez posted 38 kills, 11 aces, including 7 in one match and 4 to end the match. Incredible at Lewis. While Gardini had 15 digs in 8 sets and 8 blocks in the two matches, the Cougars host Penn State, number 15 in the country. On BYU TV this weekend. Former BYU basketball big man Eric Mika returns to the Sacramento Kings G League affiliate, the Stockton Kings, after a brief and very productive stint with the Chinese Basketball Association's Xinjiang Flying Tigers. In China, Mika averaged about 20 points a game and almost 12 rebounds a game. It is anticipated that Mika will receive a 10-day NBA contract with Sacramento in the very near future. In the meantime, his Stockton Kings face the Rio Grande Valley Vipers tonight at 10 Eastern. Otherwise, why would he leave? Exactly. Unless it was just terrible. Granted, Jimmer Fredette was there two years. Eric Mika was there like a month. Jimmer Fredette was making a lot more money in China than Eric Mika was, I'm sure. I don't know the numbers. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo answered a number of questions presented to him by the Deseret News, including the following, Jerem. From the Deseret News, what were the impediments to the program having more success than it did the past 10 years? Tom Homo answered, and I quote, We were at or near the top almost every year in the Mountain West Conference. Competition is consistently better in independence, especially the last few years of scheduling. We also went through a coaching change midway through the decade, which brought an adjustment period. It comes down to learning how to win more games with tougher schedules. End quote. Jerem, is it as simple as learning how to win Tougher games. I, I think it's a little too simple. Um, weight room analogy. You're in the weight room. You get a certain amount of reps on the bar, right? You want to get stronger, so you put more weight on the bar. But to me, it's unrealistic to think I'm going to get equal to or more reps with more weight. Maybe eventually over time, and I think that's what Tom is alluding to. Sure. But, but uh, guess what? BYU's not getting better at recruiting. In fact, it's getting worse. And some of it is BYU's fault. Some of it is not. Um, Utah County and Solid County kids... There's good football here. It used to be decent, good. Now it's pretty good, right? Kids are going all over the country from this area, which is awesome. It's a testament to those kids. It's a testament to Utah, the state, the University of Utah, and them being in the Pac-12, right? Uh, technology has afforded anyone anywhere to be looked at. BYU signed a kid from France in California, right? Cool. 
If the schedules are harder and BYU has the same kind of talent, BYU will lose more, right? BYU has to have better talent to meet better schedules. I'm not sure that BYU is getting better talent um, a decade into independence at this point. Scheduling harder equals more losses. It's that simple. So the question is, is the church putting more money into athletics than ever before to make BYU more competitive at the highest level? I'm not sure that that's happening. It feels like it's kind of the same, and BYU is hoping it will get better in other ways than are internal. I look at BYU kind of like the money ball factor, right? What can we do with less to do more? And the Oakland A's were extremely successful in the 2000s, right? With less money, would get to the playoffs. Guess what? They didn't get to the World Series. They just got to the playoffs. So can BYU get to eight-plus wins and us be happy enough? I, I hope so. I don't, I don't see BYU simply winning more games under the current construct. Yeah, I don't know that it's as simple as learning how to win tougher games, per se, but it's learning how to manage tougher schedules overall. BYU won some tough games this year. That's BYU never been a question whether they can do at that. Tennessee, BYU beat yeah. USC. This has BYU never been an issue. Beat Boise State. Yeah. They won in Logan. And it went enough. Okay. The difficulty, I think, is BYU figuring out how to beat the teams that they should beat, Jerem. This has been an issue for the Cougars in independence, is losing games that on paper we think, you know, BYU should probably win that game. BYU probably should have beaten Toledo. BYU definitely should have beaten South Florida. BYU should have won the bowl game against Hawaii. Would we even be having this conversation uh, dominated by frustration if BYU had finished with nine wins? Heck, even eight, so that there was some marked sign of improvement from one year to the next. It wouldn't feel as negative or as frustrating if BYU could win games that on paper they should win. And that's, that's a simpler idea than, hey, go win the hard games. BYU won the hard games, three of them this year. Yet, BYU continues to only win about 40% of the hard games. That's, that's, if you're going to move forward, you got to, yes, you have to not only uh, win the games you should, but you got to win some you shouldn't. Like, I feel like yeah. BYU had a winning record against tough opponents on this schedule in 2019. They just couldn't beat teams like Toledo, USF, San Diego State, and Hawaii. It's crazy. Yeah, but at the end of at the end of the day, you need to beat Utah occasionally. You need to compete with Washington. You can't get yeah, blown we'll out. Beat of Hawaii first, then we'll talk about beating Utah. Well, no, those are always at the back end of the schedule. <laughs> the first the first couple of games are hard. Topic two, more from the uh, Q and A. Deseret News: Are you generally satisfied, Tom Homo, with the progress the football program has made the past decade? Thomas Hommel, we accomplished some good things over the last decade, but there's certainly room for improvement as we enter a new decade of opportunities. Independence has provided the chance to compete against some of the storied programs in college football. While transitioning to tougher schedules, we were still able to average about eight wins a year and play in nine bowl games. We also had opportunities to finish some seasons in the top 25 or better, but let them slip away with unexpected losses. Spencer, is BYU football close to being the team Tom Hommel describes here? Yes! Yes, this goes to what I was just saying. Let me quote the last sentence from Tom Homo. We also had opportunities to finish some seasons in the top 25 or better, but let them slip away with unexpected losses. The issue for BYU is managing tougher schedules by winning the games that we think they should win. This isn't, this isn't a new thing. This isn't only a 2019 trend. BYU is losing games consistently through independence 
that we think they should win. So it's, I, I don't know what you attribute it to. You know, I know you've talked about, well, maybe they'd have more in the tank if they didn't have to play such an early or a tough early schedule, okay? BYU got through the first four and looked a little defeated or depleted when they went to Toledo, but they should still win that game, Jerem. BYU should still win that I game. I agree. I agree. Yes, BYU is close in the margin. Yeah. Yes. yes. But no in actually doing it, okay? If they were close, they would stumble into it at some point. BYU is 18-21 and 21 as a football program the last three years without Taysom Hill and yeah, Jamal Can Williams. we throw out 2017? BYU is not What are they good. in the worst season in 50 years when okay. they had a coaching debacle? Okay, let's throw it out. BYU is two games over 500 Okay, well, that's years. better than 18-21. Yes, but it's pathetic. This is BYU. Two games over 500 in two years? Come on. Um, I would argue BYU is as close to being to the top 25 as they are to being 4-8 and eight or 5-7. and seven. Because if you're going to argue that, hey, just beat Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii, you're 10 wins, I would say uh, USC, if they score a touchdown uh, in, in overtime, they win that. And Tennessee, if BYU doesn't get a miracle to Micah Simon, those are two losses. BYU starts 0-4. You're as close to that as you are to the positive. Would you rather beat well. Toledo and the lesser teams than win close games against Tennessee and USC? No, though? those were great. It's, that's a different subject to me. My point is... BYU is as close to being as to firing Kalani Sataki after this year because BYU would, would have started 0-6 as they were to being a 9-4 and team. The, the margins are close. To me, it comes down to execution, coaching, culture. Uh, BYU certainly has some room, uh, some work to do. And you look at one-score games, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Past four seasons uh, under Kalani Sitake, BYU's 10 and 14 in one score games. Uh, Zach Wilson as the starter is 2 and 5. Those can swing a season. I look at my Seahawks. I don't think the Seahawks are that good this year. Yet, they're in the second round of the playoffs because in one score games, they are an unbelievable 11 and 2. They have made the plays to win in one score games. BYU has not. And if BYU made a few more of these plays, we would we would have a different conversation. Yes, that's how fickle this is. Right. BYU beats Hawaii and beats USF. The Cougars are nine and four, and everything is looking up. It's trending in the right direction. Right. And I would argue if BYU doesn't make a play against Tennessee and USC, BYU sits here and finishes the regular season five and seven. No arguing the fact that BYU basketball is putting together a resume that has gathered the collective attention of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. In fact, they're garnering attention all over the country, from bracketologist Joe Lunardi specifically, who now has the Cougars as a nine-seed, taking on Colorado in his latest projection. Jerem, if the Cougars are a nine-seed right now, will the seed be higher or lower than that on Selection Sunday? Nine is interesting. Let's look at the nines from last year. So UCF, Oklahoma, Washington, and Baylor. They all varied in the net between 30 and 45, all had two or four quad one wins, and all had six or eight quad two wins as well. Uh, BYU currently has one quad one win um, and uh, three scheduled. The next game, by the way, St. Mary's, quad one, top 75, awesome. Uh, BYU has two quad two wins and has three scheduled. So a little bit under those, but I think that BYU is going to be in the 8-10 to 10 range. I think 9 is a good number. I'll say BYU is going to finish as a 9 seed and go to the NCAA tournament, single-digit seed, 9 seed being an 8-9 game. I'm not saying that BYU basketball is not capable of improving that seed, but it would take something pretty remarkable. BYU would have to sweep St. Mary's. Take Gonzaga. Or at least probably. beat Gonzaga once, beat St. Mary's once. And yes, 
Mark Pope coach teams, they do this. They beat these teams. They beat New Mexico State's on the road. They, they beat BYU in Provo. They win some of these games that you're like, whoa, okay. BYU's already done that a couple of times, but it's going to take something pretty extraordinary to improve upon an, a nine seed. Like, we BYU all, just doesn't have the volume of quad one and quad two games available in league. That's, that's an issue being in the league. are yeah, now yeah. few, and sure. you can't have any stumbles against a team in a quad three or quad four situation. Because if that happens in BYU, then is put down to the 10 or 11 seed or, yikes, a 12 seed playing in Dayton in the play-in game. I don't know if that's the case. St. Mary's has a quad four right now, and they're a nine in Lenore. St. Mary's has a better win than BYU, though. So right. So that it's, it, it evens out in their they have a quad four. specific context. But BYU, with the numbers right now, if, if they beat Gonzaga St. Mary's, then we're talking about a six or a seven seed, which is pretty remarkable, right? Uh, the fact of the matter is, just get in the NCAA tournament. Just get there. I, no, I'm not at that point. No, BYU's got to this, – this team's too good to just get in. What? Yeah. No, just get in, 14 seed in Dayton or something? Okay, they're not no. going to be a 14 seed, but just after a four-year absence, you're telling me that just getting in would not be good enough now? BYU is too talented to just get in this oh, year. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm not man. saying they should be a six. Yeah, your standards should evolve and change as you reassess things. I know. I'm well aware of how you per- perceive But it feels that. like you're stuck on the end of last year. We've seen this team play 16 games. I have a high, high standard for this team. The, I think, I the think standard- this team should finish second in league, and they should be in the tourney, and they should be a, a top 10 Is team. getting into the tournament not a high standard in and of itself? Yes, if your pathetic standard is making pathetic standard. the postseason. Okay. You're sitting on, oh, BYU didn't make the NIT, so just get in. No, this team's really good. They uh, should do good things. They and are just good, getting, and getting and into just, the tournament says you're a really good team. No, period. They're, they're 32. They're not 50. They're 32 right now in net. This team is more than just getting in. Okay. Expectations are fun, aren't they? Question of the day. BYU basketball currently a nine seed in bracketology. Can they improve that seed? The answer is yes. More importantly, how? We want to hear from you. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Mr. Underscore Notham answers on Twitter. The Cougs need to beat the Gales and then not lose the freebies like Pacific and Portland. The freebies. Pacific's not a freebie. Pacific just beat St. Mary's. BYU had some head-scratching losses last season. Avoiding those is the key. A high-profile loss is disappointing but acceptable. Losing to Pacific is not. Listen, if BYU stumbles and loses one on the road and it's a quad two, that's not a season breaker. It's already that's happened. That's not a season Twice. breaker. Yeah, come on. Coming up, will Taysom Hill be in a Saints uni next year? Plus, BYU basketball senior forward Dalton Nixon on what he thinks of a nine seed in the tournament. And what St. Mary's does that concerns him the most, a player preview showdown in Moraga. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm more importantly looking at the shoes. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for the return of BYU basketball with Mark Pope as the coach and Jake Toulson sits down with Gregor Bell as the Cougars prepare for St. Mary's Thursday night. Huge game. Watch it on the BYU TV app, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now in Studio B is BYU basketball senior forward Dalton Nixon. Dalton, it feels like we had you on just a couple of weeks ago. Welcome back, man. We appreciate you making time for us in your schedule. Yeah, glad to be here. 
How's the winter uh, class schedule going? It's what, day two of the day semester? Day two, yeah. So I have a class after this that I haven't been to yet, but uh, as of yesterday's schedule, things are looking good. What class is it? Um, the one today? Yeah. Today I have stress management. Stress management. Yeah. This are seems you... like an appropriate class <laughs> yeah. for this time of year. Are you good at managing stress? Um, I'm, I think so, but I hope, hope to be better at it after this class. That's, yeah, I, I should have taken that. How do you draw up a fun. final for stress <laughs> management? You create stress. You put and them then in see a how situation. you manage it. Yeah, how or you just don't have a final. That's that'll be a good stress management. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, you should just say, "Hey, the final is watch any basketball game I play in," and that should tell you how I handle stress. Uh, Dalton, when you hear that BYU is currently a projected nine seed in the latest ESPN bracketology, what's your first thought? You know, it is cool to have that attention. You know, we've had a great season up to this point, and I feel like we've had a few like points in the season that have really stood out, you know, coming off of the Maui Invitational. I think that was a a real big success for us to see that, you know, like we can compete on a national stage against these um, against these big schools. And then also um, coming off of that Utah loss and bouncing back with UNLV, Nevada and taking care of business there. Like um, we really have been able to see that, like, you know, when we're locked in and when we we are focused, like we can accomplish great things. And so. Moving into this league play, I think we're just really excited to to be focused in every game because that's what's going to help us be successful. And you know, we want to be able to put ourselves in a p- great position to you know be playing our best basketball in March. You and I talked yesterday about uh, great storytelling. There's conflict, there's resolution, right? And the conflict of BYU basketball was the last couple of years is not making the tourney, right? And then Dave Rose retires, and it's like, wow, this is a big change. Um, now there's seven seniors. There's a new coach. There's excitement. Uh, there was a great schedule set up. How has all of this combined to help this team do what you you said, which is we are very focused right now? Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, having seven seniors on the team is a huge, a huge benefit for us. And, you know, on the teams that I've played in um, previously, the last two years especially, like we haven't had more than a couple seniors. I think my sophomore year we didn't have any seniors. And so to have a, a group of veterans that – has been in this conference for a while, knows what it takes. I think that we have what it takes now to to be able to take care of business, especially like the West Coast Conference is, has improved so much over over the last few years. And like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, you go to Pacific, like that's not an easy game. Like you go at LMU, that's not an easy game. And so we know we know what it takes and you have to be locked in, you have to be focused, but like we, we have a great staff and great leadership in the locker room to be able to get it done. Is this team, with that in mind, less susceptible to that kind of loss because you're on high alert? How, how would you? Yeah, I would that? say that. I, yeah, I would say as we prepare for every game, um, we've lost at San Diego. We've lost, you know, like I said, well, like, like four and four like, at yeah, San like, Diego. Yeah, all time. exactly. Wow. Like yeah. we've we've lost at San Francisco, and so like there, we have to change the way that we prepare for these games, and so um, we all know that we need to, um, you know, step up and like you said, be on high alert. And so we have seniors, that, that's what we talk about. Like, you know, that, this this LMU game that we just came off of, that was something that, like, we are not, we're not just going to say, like, oh, we're going to Moraga next week. Like, we got to take care of business now, and that's our mindset. Dalton Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. I've had some interesting conversations with Mark Pope and even with Coach Smith up at Utah State about how head coaches are paid to handle stress and they're paid to be paranoid. How do you use that as a benefit in your preparation when your coach is on edge like that? Um, that, that was one of the th- things that I thought was really unique about college basketball. Like um, in high school, 
you talk about games and it's just like, oh, like we're going to roll through these guys. And then you get to college and you're like, these teams that I saw you guys beat by, you know, 15 or 20, like, why are we stressing out about these teams? But man, college basketball and especially our league, it's a totally different animal. And so um, when you have great coaches, they, they want to make sure that you're prepared. And, you know, I think that stress um, is a great thing. And it's something that like, we're not, we're not overlooking anyone and we're going to prepare just, just as hard for you know these teams like we just prepared for LMU like we're preparing for St. Mary's just as hard as we prepared for LMU so what sticks out about the Gales because they're a team that's very similar in terms of the metrics with BYU right now yeah um St. Mary's they they know us really well we know them really well so I'm really looking forward to this game uh they have a great scorer with Jordan Ford Um, Malik Fitz is a great player as well and they have really good shooters around them so um similar similar in the way that we shoot a really good percentage from three um i think that we're starting to find an identity that st mary's has had in the past of being a really good defensive team and um so i'm really excited for this matchup and you know we're going to be prepared we're going to be ready to go um i don't think i've won a game in moraga since i've been in B- been here at byu one in seven byu yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this is a huge deal for us it's a huge deal for the seniors to to be able to you know prove to ourselves i feel like that we've we've put in so much work and um, it's led us, led us up to this moment to be able to go in, into Moraga, go to St. Mary's, and hopefully come out with a W. How would you explain playing in Moraga to somebody that hasn't been to that gym in that situation? Man, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, smaller gym, obviously, but uh, man, the the fans out there are crazy. Like it has the it has the feeling of like like that. Like so, I went to Orem, like that Orem Mountain View rivalry, but like to the to the point where like you're running up and down the floor and like their fans are on top of you and uh it gets super loud in that gym um it's electric um we obviously have a, a great showing for from BYU fans there um but it's just a lot of fun man like i you know i, I wish for every BYU fan to be able to to be at, at St. Mary's I was begging my begging my parents like man you have to come you have to come to this trip um because it's gonna are be a great going one. um I need to follow up on that <laughs> I, I know last couple of days of checking flights trying to trying to get out there mom um, and dad are you going to watch your son <laughs> play in Moraga Nixon's <laughs> no but it, I mean it's it's a crazy game it's a, it's an awesome game and uh, you know I want to come out of there with a win you know I've I've always gone to Moraga and we, we've left left um heartbroken you know so it's gonna be a good one Okay, they, they're coming off a four-overtime loss, and I'm sure you guys have watched the film a million times. Would you, do you like playing a team coming off that kind of loss? Because to me, I think, oh, no, they're going to be ticked, they're going to be ready to go, uh, and they already have a conference loss. Yeah, you know, like we, we think about that. Like we've been in that situation before. Like, you know, we, we've lost games that we felt like we should have won, and the next day in the gym you're you're more locked in you're more focused you have something more to prove and so we obviously know like they're going to come out I feel like regardless of you know their loss to Pacific like we were going to get their best game but this gives them even more of an edge and so you know we're really excited to match their physicality match their intensity on the floor and um, you know hopefully we can uh, come out with a win. You got kind of a smile on your yeah, face man, as you I'm, think about I'm it. I'm excited I mean I'm, I'm a senior and you know like as much as I want this for me, like I want this for my guys, like, um, like there's so many days of practices, so many like tough days where like I'm here with a group with, you know, Yoli, TJ, Zach, Jake, like, man, I remember being a freshman with Jake when we were roommates on the road, like losing to losing to St. Mary's. And so this is a huge game for us. Like I've said, we've struggled at St. Mary's before. Um, but I feel like, uh, Things leading up to this point is setting us up for some success. 
And we've had some fun conversations about how BYU views Gonzaga in terms of the rivalry format and how BYU views St. Mary's and how the fans play into that. And I think Jeremy and I are in accord that St. Mary's just feels like more of a rival. More of a rival, yeah. Because of the past and some of the moments that have happened. But how does it feel to you as a player when you compare playing against Gonzaga to a team like St. Mary's? It's different. You know, Gonzaga has the feel of some of those top programs across the country like the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, like that's the feel when you go up to Spokane and when you play those guys, just elite program, elite basketball. St. Mary's, on the other hand, you know, when you match up with St. Mary's, you feel like you're playing against guys similar to you, like, you know, guys like Tanner Krebs that, you know, are just really gritty, really physical and have just had great college careers. And so um, you, you match up with Gonzaga, you, you see, like, these guys are in the league now, Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura, um, but, like, these St. Mary's guys, Jordan Ford, Malik Fitz, Tanner Krebs, like, you go down the line, like, they're just a bunch of dudes that have just worked really, really hard their whole college career, and I feel like that's really similar to how our team is made up. And so, you know, when you face them, it's going to be really exciting, and it's going to be really physical, and it's going to be an intense game. Well, well, let's give you the maximum amount of BYU Sports Nation karma we can let yes. give. I don't even yes. know if there's like a you know a, a leader worth or whatever to go to Moraga and play your best game and uh, go win because that'd be awesome. Thank yeah. you, appreciate it. And uh, you make me smile with your smile <laughs> thinking about the game. I'm getting even let's more. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. You guys, you guys leave tomorrow. I take it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, good luck in Moraga. I hope your okay. parents are there. Hope so. If they're not, they can watch it with us at our house. Yeah. Coming up, what's the chance Taysom Hill is signed by another team this off? And you should all buy stock in BYU basketball, according to a big-time college hoops analyst. Who said it? This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand on the iTunes. Tune in to Google Play and enjoy on demand. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We would love for you to do that, and we would also love for you to join with us in the whip around. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Get your bracketology. BYU's a nine seed playing eight seed Colorado, according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. Cougars play a fellow nine seed St. Mary's Thursday night. ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis has BYU ranked number 44 in the nation in his latest overall rankings. Seth Davis of The Athletic has BYU basketball as a buy in his latest buy, sell, or hold segment for the Hoops Thoughts Stock Report. Football. Pro Football Focus ranks BYU football's offensive line the 12th best in the nation, highlighting left tackle Brady Christensen as 5th best nationally in pass blocking grades among all tackles. Cougars returned everyone in the two deep besides Thomas Schoff this fall. Gymnastics. Number 23 BYU Gymnastics beats number 15 Nebraska in a season opening duel. Cougars score 195.75 to the Huskers 195.6. BYU won the meet without All-American Shannon Evans. She's nursing some bumps and bruises. Should be back for this weekend's meet. In Evans' absence, junior Abby Miner put up a personal best of 39.325 in the all-around. BYU takes on Utah, Utah State, and Southern Utah in the Best of Utah meet at the Maverick Center this Saturday at 9 Eastern. Volleyball. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez and Davide Gardini are the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week. Fernandez posted 38 kills, 11 aces, while Gardini had 15 digs and 8 blocks in the two matches. BYU hosts Penn State for two matches this weekend, both on BYU TV. 
Cougars in the NBA. Former BYU big man and the overthrower of then number one Gonzaga in Spokane, Eric Mika returns to Sacramento Kings G League affiliate, the Stockton Kings. After a really productive and short stint in the Chinese Basketball Association, Mika averaged almost 20 points and almost 12 rebounds a game with Xinjiang and the Flying Tigers. It's anticipated Mika will receive at least one 10-day NBA contract with the Kings in the very near future. In the meantime, his Stockton Kings take on Rio Grande Valley tonight at 10 Eastern. Our question of the day, BYU men's basketball currently a nine seed in Joe Lenardi's latest ESPN Bracketology projection. Can they improve that seed? Nine's pretty good. And if so, how? Country underscore baller 94 adds in on Instagram. I think the expectation right now is that BYU splits the games between St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Really? Two and two? That's the expectation? Then the expectation, according to Country Baller, is that BYU is going to be like a six or a seven seed because that would bump them up a few lines. Hmm. He says, I know Gonzaga is big time this year, but even their sports writers think they're going to drop one to BYU or St. Mary's. So if BYU can sweep one of them and not have any bad losses against other WCC teams, BYU will improve. If BYU does that, Jerem, they'd be in contention to win the league. Yeah, it, it depends on how many losses Gonzaga has. Gonzaga hasn't had three losses in league in what seems like a million Forever? years, right? Can BYU beat Gonzaga? Yes, BYU has won with worse teams in Spokane. Here's the thing, though. I think Gonzaga's vulnerable. With their two league games, what have we seen? They won both, but Portland was up seven at halftime. Losers talk about margin at halftime. But Portland was up seven. What? Uh, Portland gets blown out in the second half. But Pepperdine has a three to tie with five seconds left. In on Spokane. Sa- on Saturday night. Gonzaga is way, very, very good. I think they're a top five team. I think they're number one by default. I don't know that they're the best team in the country. The number one team has lost like four or five consecutive weeks or something. It's a carousel. They right are now. a top five team in the country. They are top ten. They're really good. But it doesn't mean they can't lose. But can't losing, uh, not, not being able to lose once isn't a big deal unless it's to BYU. It's, will BYU ever win a league title with Mark Few in the league? The Cougars would have to have would at think- least 16 wins. On average, the champion needs at least 16 wins in conference to lock it up. Aren't there how many games are there? Aren't there now there are 16 only sixteen, now? so that makes it feels like almost tougher. You'd probably need fourteen to win. Okay, so you got to go fourteen and two at least to that's, be in consideration. Yeah, and that's going to be tough, right? Wow, um, this BYU team's good. If BYU can pull out a couple close ones, let's go. Let's go. Coming up is the O line BYU football's best position group going into twenty twenty. What's the future for Taysom Hill in New Orleans? According to Saints reporter and insider Christian Garrick, he'll join us live next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU men's volleyball was the only team to get two ranked wins on the road last week. They host number 15 Penn State Friday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV, our home opener, one of 10 broadcasts this season on BYU TV or the app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. We now welcome in the co-host of Sports Talk and New Orleans Saints and LSU pre- and post-game coverage on WWL in New Orleans, Christian Garrick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Christian, nice to have you on BYU Sports Nation. Good to be on with you guys. Thank you very much. Um, how is uh, everybody in New Orleans handling things uh, with LSU competing for the national championship but the Saints 
suffering another frustrating head-scratching loss and with a pass interference, no call, no less. Well, I think Saints fans, uh, you know, they're, they're adjusting. The expectation is really high for this franchise as set because of the Saints winning the Super Bowl in 2009. I think it's kind of Super Bowl or bust attitude, and Saints fans are, are frustrated because they feel like they've been cheated out of one Super Bowl last year, and they probably, on their own doing, should have had one in 2011 considering how good they were. So uh, Saints fans are left wondering the what-ifs and all this other stuff, but the bottom line is that the Vikings came in here and whipped them. That's the bottom line truth, and uh, the Saints didn't play well, and they're out of the postseason. It was a bummer for the BYU fans who have watched the Saints this year because of Taysom Hill and what a season he had, what a game he had on Saturday. Uh, How would you assess what Taysom Hill means to the Saints and the reception of the fans towards him? They love him. I mean, he's got, they got a T-shirt, a bootleg T-shirt circulating down here that has a picture of a Swiss Army knife and the word joke, jack of all trades. Yes, it's <laughs> on it. Um, and, they, I mean, they, they buy his jerseys. He's a football player. They love him. And, look, the, the team loves him. You can see when he comes in on special packages and makes a play, it kind of just energizes. It did on Sunday when he was brought in to throw that 50-yard pass to um, – to Devontae Harris, and also later in the game when he ripped off a couple of big runs. I mean, he just energizes the team, and he energizes that stadium. I happen to I happen to love him as a football player. How, how could you not? I don't care if he plays. He'll play in this league for 10, 12, 13 years. I don't know that it's always going to be quarterback, but he'll have a role in this league for the next decade or so. Let's talk about his future, specifically with the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill is a restricted free agent this offseason. Is there any way... New Orleans lets him go this offseason. Not a chance. Not one chance. Look, I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had. Is Do you even tender him or you just sign him to an extension? Because they could tender him, and if they do tender him as an RFA, I would expect him to be at the first-round compensation level, which will be about $4.6 million. The hard part is here is you've got Drew Brees that's scheduled to become a free agent, Teddy Bridgewater that's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent, and Taysom Hill is going to be a restricted free agent. Now, I think Drew Brees is back with the Saints. I think Teddy Bridgewater created a market for himself, and and he's going to get paid on the open market. But Taysom Hill, I expect to at least get a first-round compensation level package, or or tender, I should say, or perhaps even signing an extension. Um, Either one I would be fine with. I think that um, you know he's certainly worth $4.6 million because of his ability to play on special teams, his ability to play on offense, having special packages. I mean, he runs routes. He makes tackles. He runs the football. I, I think that if you wanted him to, he could probably play safety. If he to. He <laughs> Seriously. Tight end. Yeah. He was the lead blocker on Alvin Kamara's uh, touchdown run in the game. I mean, the guy, he literally is a jack-of-all-trades and I think tr- presents tremendous value to that team. Christian, in high school, he kicked. And at BYU, in practice... Uh, he made a 60-yarder. I'm not even kidding. So you need to somehow get him kicking in the game as well. But I do want to ask this. Does this mean you think – do you think Teddy Bridgewater is going to sign a contract and leave? And then does Taysom Hill become the backup next year? I think that would be the case. I, I really do. Uh, I think – look, Teddy Bridgewater will forever be loved in this city because of what he did for the five games that he was in for Drew Brees. And, look, I think it was the right thing to play Teddy Bridgewater because – Taysom Hill, let's face it, as a quarterback, still has some things to clean up, right? Um, so I think Teddy Bridgewater is the more polished quarterback, and I think he's going to leave in free agency. He's going to have a market. The Saints aren't going to be able to compete with that along with signing Drew Brees to a 
to a contract this offseason. So I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be uh, off and running in free agency, and Taysom Hill will be the backup to, to Drew Brees next season. Now, if Taysom Hill is the backup, how would that then affect what he does for New Orleans? Because he is a jack-of-all-trade. So would they then feel compelled to scale him back? No, I think what they would try to do is find a veteran quarterback um, that, you know, that, that comes in fairly cheap that in case Taysom Hill were the, the listed backup, right, uh, and he got injured in a play, you would still have a backup. I don't think it would be they would limit him. I don't think you would want to limit him in what the impact he could have on a game. He literally, I think he was the entire offense for the Saints on Sunday when he rushed for rushed for over 50 yards, threw for over 50 yards, had a, had a receiving day of over 50 yards. I mean, you know, he, he, he did it all. It felt like it. Yeah, yeah no. he, was, he was their spark. He was, he was um, I mean, I, look, I, I don't question Sean Payton's play calling very much, but, man, I, I, I shudder to think about, Throwing the ball, in which which Drew ended up fumbling that play. Then I wonder, I wonder if Taysom Hill ultimately could have ran the ball one more time to give you a little bit more of a spark. I think that he was so hot that I wondered why they didn't just keep feeding him. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation too, long term, because we were discussing yesterday the future of Taysom Hill, and, and I mentioned I think it depends on what Drew Brees does, right? And you mentioned it, he's a free agent, anticipated to come back, and who knows how long he's going to play. But Taysom Hill, long term, wants to be a quarterback. This has been awesome in the meantime. Um, but how do you see this playing out in the next couple of years? Is Taysom Hill the heir apparent, whether that's a year or two or three down the road at quarterback? I don't know that I'm up here ready to say he is the heir apparent. Well, let me let me let me back up. I think he's the heir apparent, but like in other words, when you say heir apparent, does that mean like he's the second coming? No, I don't know that yet. But I think he is the future uh, heir apparent to uh, Drew Brees. But I think that's probably a year or two down the line. Christian Garrick, co-host of Sports Talk, New Orleans Saints insider, with us on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to put a number on how long Drew Brees will play and be the starting quarterback in New Orleans, what would it be? Man, I can never put a cap on him. <laughs> He's beating all the odds, right? You know, if I say two years, he'll play for five, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think ultimately, he won't say this publicly, but I think as long as Tom Brady is nipping at his heels for all these records, if he's playing, Drew's going to play. I guess that's the best way I can answer it. But I, I think realistically, you know, down here, people were melting down, living in the prisoner of the moment, saying it's time to move on from Drew Brees and all this other nonsense after the loss to the Vikings. I think he didn't look old this year. I think he still looks like he can play the game. I think he looked. He, I know he's a guy that wants to keep playing the game. Uh, I think realistically, two to three years. I know what he means to Taysom Hill. Let's uh, finish with this, Christian. If be, if before Taysom Hill got to New Orleans, how much did you know about him? Did you know anything Zero. about his BYU backdrop? Zero. I had never heard of him. I mean, honestly, when they when they signed him at the end of roster pairings uh, three years ago. I was like, okay, they, they got this athletic quarterback. I went to YouTube and looked up a couple of things, right, watched some highlights. And I was like, all right, great. You know, he'll be around on the practice squad. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that's literally how I felt. All right, he'll be around. They'll try to develop him, and he'll be – I literally said, eh, he'll be on the practice squad for a couple of years, and then we'll see what happens after that. Nowhere in my wildest dreams or my imagination did I envision 
this kind of impact that he's had here in New Orleans. I'm telling you, the fan base loves the guy. They love him. And now his jersey's flying off the shelf uh, to boot. Hey, Christian, great stuff, man. We appreciate the time and uh, hope you enjoy the LSU coverage as they compete in the national championship. That's the, uh, it's like uh, Princess Leia when he, she says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Well, yeah. that's what LSU is. <laughs> they're, they're, our, they're our only hope right now. Yes. In New Orleans. That's going to be amazing. Joe is yeah. the only hope for the Cincinnati Bengals, if we're being <laughs> honest. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I know you guys got to run, but. Man, I, the last place I want to see him go is Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, man. That's totally fair. Christian, great to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christian Garrick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. As Ed Orgeron would say, go Tigers, Joe oh, Burrow. Man. Go Bengals. <laughs> the Bengals stink. Coming up, has BYU basketball peaked in seeding potential? And hits and sticks. Take center stage in my rise and shout out. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hit fan yeah. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can always subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And the show is always on demand on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps, and they are free. It is time to play Buy, Sell, or Hold, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. All right, Jerem, let's bring in Ben Bagley to do this. Buy, Sell, or Hold. Let's start here, guys. Buy, sell, or hold the BYU offensive line as the best position group right now for BYU football. I go hold, which is something that they do sometimes. Uh, the linebackers are in the mix to me because BYU returns. A lot of these guys had 10 picks. By the way, the 15 as a team uh, was top 15 nationally. I would argue that the linebackers are pretty good. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to buy this. Uh, BYU played three quarterbacks this year. And did some nice things against some really stiff competition. And uh, the offensive line, I thought, did a really nice overall job. They're all back. So I'm, I'm actually buying this right now, that the offensive line is the best overall position group for BYU football. And if it's buy, sell, or hold in terms of stocks, I don't think BYU would go higher than this. So I would hold. Okay. Number two. Buy, sell, or hold. You guys kind of got into this before, but buy, sell, or hold. The nine seed is the best possible seed BYU can get in the NCAA tournament. I would uh, I would sell it, meaning, or I would buy it thinking they could go higher. I think no, 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 you could sell. Go, you sell, that's I, right. I would sell. Yeah, I would sell. I think that BYU is going to land around nine, eight to ten, I think is where BYU is going to land. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to sell this. Uh, because the nine seed is not the best possible seed the BYU could get in the NCAA tournament. Now, will it be? That's a different question. But could BYU has opportunities to improve this seeding line? But not a lot of them. But as, as I said earlier, I'm just more concerned with BYU getting into the NCAA tournament and ending the drought. Just get in. Get in. And to me, that will feel like the needed improvement and a success for BYU basketball this season. They're still going to have to do some work to get in. Sure. Yeah. Number three. Buy, sell, or hold a former BYU football player hoisting the Lombardi Trophy for the third time in four years. Buy. Uh, Fred Warner and Daniel Sorensen have a shot at uh, doing this with the 49ers. Not Ziggy Ansah? No. Seahawks are not going to the Super Bowl. They're they are not. There's, right. there's no way. They can't run the ball. You can't make Super Bowl if you can't run the ball. Yeah, I'm buying this because there is an argument that the Chiefs and the 49ers 
are uh, going to play for a Super Bowl championship. I would love that because then a BYU player is guaranteed to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. I'm, I'm buying this because of the seedings of where these BYU players are in the NFL playoffs. Next. Last one. Buy, sell, or hold Eric Mika making an NBA roster in the next month. Buy. I, I don't think he would leave China if this wasn't a likely possibility and probably already had a conversation between the Kings and Eric. Otherwise, why would he leave China after like a month? Yeah, I'm, right now I'm going to hold because I'm not sure on the specific dates of when the 10-day contract has to go in play. Like Eric Mika, I think, will play in the NBA at some point and he'll get his 10-day contract, but could that be in February? Could what, it be in March? Sure. Oh, oh, so it's in the month? next month. Oh, this month. I, got, I, I think he I left know. because it is this month. Yeah, I'm sure they guaranteed it to him, but I, I don't know how I don't know that they guaranteed it to him. How, it would have been answered. The, how quickly the turnaround is there. So I'm, I'm holding for now because it could be February or March. All right, that's buy, sell, or hold. Presented by our friends at Delta Airlines. Our question of the day. Does BYU basketball, currently a nine seed in bracketology, can they improve that seed and how? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. April Chessman, Kerstich answers on Facebook. Let me first put my big blue goggles on before I say this. First, after BYU wins all their conference games and takes the Gonzaga Invitational, they could be ranked as high as number four. Okay, now remove the blue goggles. But back to reality. I see them as high as number eight if they can beat St. Mary's both in Moraga and Provo. I think could slide up to seven at that point. We'll, yes. we'll see. Yes. Okay, there today's are huge rise. Opportunities. Absolutely. Today's rise shoutouts. Mine goes to Yoli Childs. I'm at the annex yesterday. I'm talking to Yoli Childs for a second, and he he and TJ House come up to me and they say, Second team, what's up with that? For all the decade. all decade. So we had a nice chat. It was a good chat. At first I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? But it was a it was a good conversation about that. Yoli Childs feels like he should be on the all decade team. He is on the All-Decade team. He's on my first team, as a matter of fact. Uh, my rise and shout-out goes to Guard Young and BYU Gymnastics. They've consistently gotten better since he's taken over. It's a hard sport to get better, and well done. Our thanks to today's guests, Dalton Nixon and Christian Garrick. Sergeant Dennis Spinner ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUS. For Jaron Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout-out to Chase Fisher. Remember when he played in the NCAA tournament? See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern. Go Cougs!